So we'll be in Exodus chapter 12, if you want to turn your Bibles there. And um, we'll be going to and fro um, throughout the scriptures. But if you could turn um, to Exodus 12. Actually, while you're turning there, the whole route of um, the scripture, the, the message this morning, um, I've taken from 1 Corinthians 5. So I'm just going to read while you're getting there to Exodus 12, 1 Corinthians 5, 7. So this says, Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Okay, so we're going to look at the concept of Christ being our Passover as New Testament Christians. And, um, you know, we, we read here that the Bible says that Christ was sacrificed for us. Okay, and um, so we're going to compare um, the Old Testament Passover feast um, as taken from Exodus 12 and see what it teaches us about Jesus and salvation. All right, so we'll, we'll get into that. Okay, so just by way of background, um, the people of Israel, um, coming up to Exodus chapter 12, have been in severe slavery and cruel bondage, the Bible tells us, for about 430 years. Um, and that would be beginning sometime after Joseph's death. Um, the Bible says, when there arose up a new king over Egypt, which knew not Joseph. Okay, so that new king decided, our new Pharaoh decided to put all the, the people of Israel to task and um, get them to, to build and to do all the things that they wanted to do um, in Egypt, okay? And then they were being ill-treated and their cry went up before God. And then a man named Moses was called by God to stand up for God's people and deliver a message from God to Pharaoh, the Pharaoh at the time. And um, his message was commanding Pharaoh to, um, that God said, let my people go. That's Exodus 5 there. And of course, if you read that portion of scripture there, um, the Pharaoh replies, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? Okay, so, uh, you know, God soon answers that question for Pharaoh and he begins to send plague after plague upon the land of Egypt. But as we read, we see that um, the area where the Israelites are in the land of Goshen, that area is, is kept safe or God has um, a, a providence for them going through some of the plagues that they don't experience it like the Egyptians do and they're, gen they're altogether safe and unharmed, okay? So now in um, Exodus 12, we're gonna pick up here and in just in the previous chapter or so, it's that Moses has just told Pharaoh that he will see his face no more because a 10th plague is coming. So there's been nine um, so far before Exodus 12. A 10th plague is coming that will take the lives of the firstborn in every house in Egypt. But again, as I said already, the Israelites were going to be safe and unharmed, okay? So um, in Exodus 12, God begins to explain how that's gonna come about or how that's gonna happen. So we'll read four verses here and we'll get into it. Exodus chapter 12, verse one. And the Lord spake unto Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, 
in the tenth day of this month, they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. And if the household be too little for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next unto his house take it according to the number of the souls. Every man according to his eating shall make your count for the lamb. So we'll just stop there and we'll pray. Father, thank you, Lord, that we can meet together. Thank you, Lord, that we can open your word. Thank you, Lord, that um, you've given us the time and the opportunity, Lord, to be able to look at your word and to learn and glean from it. Lord, I pray that you would, by the Holy Spirit, teach us this morning the things that we need to learn. And uh, just be close to us, be in the midst, and um, look after your people, Lord, as you promised that you would. We love you, and we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so the first thing we read here is that Israel received their instructions, of course, through Moses, from God himself. All right, so um, these instructions were from, were from God himself. So um, when Moses told the people, God's people, something that God said, the Jews could trust that whatever they were told to do um, would be good for them, okay? And it would be effective. Anything that God commands is always good. He says in Deuteronomy 5, verse 29, Oh, that there was such an heart in them, in God's people, that they would fear me and keep my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. So when God tells you something, you could pretty much take that to the bank. You know, um, Charles Spurgeon has this uh, um, uh, book or these writings called uh, Faith's Checkbook, okay? And, um, yeah, you know, you find out through God's promises, and we read it through the testimony of many people through God's word, that there's nothing too hard for him, like it says in Genesis 18, 14, okay? So this is in contrast to um, the plans of men to deliver themselves, okay? So when God commands something and he says, this will deliver you, this will help you, you can trust that and you can know 100% that that will come to pass. But when the plans of men tell you that something you should do something and that um, this will be to your benefit, it may or may not happen, okay? Um, a lot of the times, um, um, well, you know, obviously man is finite and that, that's pretty obvious that we can't control and the things that are going on in the world and we can't guide them the way God can guide them together for, for good, all right? And then the other thing that, that um, men also struggle with is the fact that we do hear stuff from God, but we tend to maybe partially obey. That's another thing. Um, so God says, if you obey what I say to do, it'll be well with you. But, um, you know, Cain and Abel, that story, where God, they obviously needed to bring a sacrifice before God. Cain only partially obeyed. And of course, we know that at the end of that story there, God didn't accept the sacrifice and Cain's countenance fell. And God was wondering, why is your countenance fallen? You know, why, why, why are you so upset when you didn't do what I said to do so you wouldn't get the results that you expected from that, okay? So th this one is a command from God and, and the Jews can, can sit tight knowing that um, it'll, be, it'll be good, okay? So God tells him, first start in verse 2, that this month, shall be unto you the beginning of months. It shall be the first of the month, um, the first month of the year to you, okay? So God institutes a new beginning. God says, this month will be a first month. This will be a new beginning, okay? So because of the upcoming Passover, the Jews were to consider this um, the, the, a new starting point, um, 
we're, con we're to consider it a new year, okay? So we like to um, mark important events and we like to remember them. And we have special days that we, we hold dear, I guess, and we remember special times in history. We put up plaques and um, maybe uh, another some, some sort of memento, okay? But this Passover for the Jews was to be considered above any other event that would happen, even throughout God's calendar year, all right? It was so important that it would now be designated as a new start of the calendar. If it was to be beforehand, it was now, okay? So it was a new beginning, you can see in verse 2, and in, in 3 and 4, we, we're, we're, we see that God commands everyone to take a lamb, okay? So we've read that there. Speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying, In the tenth day of this month they shall take to them every man a lamb, according to the house of their fathers, a lamb for an house. Okay, so Moses and Aaron were commanded to tell everyone to get a lamb on the tenth day, and they were to take the lamb according to their eating. And um, you read there in verse 4, they could share it with their neighbor if they needed. Okay, if there wasn't enough people in that house for the lamb, they could join in with another house that didn't have enough people um, to, to eat the, all of the lamb or to finish it. Okay, but um, um, either way, the lamb was sufficient. You never had to worry about the lamb not being enough, um, but you had to worry about the household being enough for the lamb, <laughs> which was interesting, okay? So when we look at that, we see what God has commanded for the Passover. We could compare it then to what's in the New Testament, okay? So just like the Passover would be a new beginning, um, the Bible teaches the same thing for salvation. When we trust in Christ, the Bible says that we become a new creature. We find that written in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17. If you could turn there, 2 Corinthians 5, 17 says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Amen. So, um, the, 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 there's a similarity there. New beginning, new creature. And as you can already see here, everyone wants to take a lamb. Um, we looked at John the Baptist last week, and this is another one of his testimonies. He says, Behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. So everybody needs the Lamb to take away that sin. Okay? And there's another similarity. Without this Lamb, the Jews weren't going to be getting out of Egypt. The Jews weren't going to be getting out of slavery. And um, uh, the powers that be were not broken if they didn't um, trust in and apply this Lamb to them. And in the same way, um, you know, Egypt in the Bible is considered a picture of the world. And without this Lamb of God, which takes away the sins of the world, there's nobody that's going to be saved. And there's nobody who's going to be delivered um, from the coming judgment. We'll look at that a bit later. Okay, so let's read on there. I hope you're still in Exodus 12, verse 5 and 6. Your Lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year, Ye shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats, and ye shall keep it up until the fourteenth day of the same month, and the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it in the evening. So the next thing that needed to be done was um, the people of Israel needed to, to look for a particular lamb that met God's description. Okay, So this was the Passover lamb, and it needed to, to fit a certain... Um, criteria okay so the first thing it said there was it needs to be 
without blemish. Okay, so they would go out and they would go into their their flock and they would try and find a lamb that didn't have a mark or a fault, a blemish, um, anything wrong with them from head to toe, and they were closely inspected. Okay, and again they would have went to a certain flock. You see here, in uh, of the first year, so. Um, they were looking for a particular type of lamb, not an old lamb, not a lamb that is too young um, or too small or anything like that, I guess, but um, a lamb that was full of life and vigor, and they would have had to know um, roughly its age or roughly its history um, to know that it was of the first year, that it wasn't um, any other year, I guess you want to say, okay? And what they had to do that do what then was to keep it until the 14th day, okay? So uh, a lot of the times they would bring that lamb into the house and the lamb would be with them and it would be set apart from the flock and it would um, be special. They'd be looking after it. They wouldn't want, obviously, anything to happen to it in the meantime um, so that it would be fit for use when it came to that 14th day. Okay? And the final point we see here for the Passover lamb that they were instructed was everyone shall kill it in the evening of that 14th day, okay? So um, um, there was an appointed time. Um, you didn't kill the lamb as soon as you found out which one you, had, um, you were choosing. You waited, and then everyone at the one time, they killed the Passover lamb in the evening, and they uh, continued with the Passover feast, I guess, okay? So again, like we did in the first one, we see here plenty of similarities between the Passover lamb and Jesus, the lamb of God. Okay? Jesus too was without blemish. Um, and he was tested and inspected um, and everyone found that he was without fault. Okay? So beyond, let's say we could go to some scriptures here, it says 1 Peter, 1 Peter 1.9. Nineteen, sorry, says, um, both with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. So it's saying that we were redeemed with the precious blood of Christ. And it says here, the Bible tells us that Jesus was like a lamb without blemish and without spot. Um, and again in Hebrews 4.15, if you double back to that one, Hebrews 4.15 says, um, speaking of Jesus again, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted, like as we are, yet without sin. So we're told time and time again that Jesus was sinless, that Jesus was without blemish, okay? And you find that even the people asked him of his doctrine, they questioned him, and there was many questions put to Jesus in Matthew 22. But all, all the people questioned everything, um, uh, all the different things about him, okay? And they asked for answers, and that's where you, you know, um, he's challenged about Caesar and that kind of thing, and he says, Render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God the things which are God, God's. And you find right at the end of the, the chapter, the last verse, Matthew twenty-two forty-six says, And no man was able to answer him a word, neither does any man from that day forward ask him any more questions, okay? So they, they couldn't find anything amiss in the words that Jesus spoke, in the life that he had. And if you go further again 
to just before Jesus' crucifixion, of course, he was um, um, interrogated and um, um, questioned, I guess, again, or inspected by a lot of people, An Annas and Caiaphas, the high priests, and they, they couldn't catch him out or fault him anywhere, all right? Um, though they still obviously went through and told him that um, he was blaspheming the Lord. And then Herod tested him and Pilate, who of course said, I find no fault in him. So we have that similarity here. So again, of the first year, um, you know, we see that Jesus was in the prime of his life. You know, um, Book of Daniel says Messiah would be cut off. Isaiah 53 says he'd be cut off from the land of the living. And we find that, um, you know, I just look for a scripture to match it here, that he was just after he was baptized by John the Baptist, like we looked at last week, um, the Bible says in Luke 3 that he began to be about 30 years of age, okay? And then we have about three Passover feasts. Um, so we, we, we see that he's about 33 or so um, when it comes to his life in this world being ended, okay? So he was full of life and vigor, just like this lamb needed to be, okay? So kept on till the 14th day, um, Jesus was set apart. Now the Bible says in Revelation that he was the, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So he was set apart and he had an appointment with death. You know, we have those, um, those tracts that we give out at Christmas. They say, born to die, okay? So Jesus was set apart from eternity and, and kept, he would be kept until that day. And you find in, um, even in John, you know, when he's talking to um, uh, his, I guess it's his siblings and his family, he says, you know, um, my time has not yet come. So there was a time that Jesus was going to give his life, just like there was a time set for that Passover lamb. And um, it says there, Romans 5, 6, um, for yet when we were without strength, um, in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. Okay? And then finally, we saw that everyone shall kill it in the evening. Okay? It was our sins, obviously, that put um, Jesus on the cross. Um, I'll turn to Isaiah 53. And we'll read something there. Isaiah 53. Hopefully you're familiar with um, this portion of scripture. I'll read from 4 to 7. Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He is brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. Okay, so um, Jesus gave his life, and we, we see, obviously, that the, the lamb clearly didn't do anything, <laughs> all right? Um, and Jesus didn't do anything amiss either, but um, the iniquity of us all was laid on him the same way the iniquity of that household was laid on that um, Passover lamb, and it was a substitute. It died in the stead, okay? Um, so we'll move on from there the next part 7 to 11 let's read that we'll go back to 
Exodus 12. Exodus 12, and I'm reading verses 7 to 11. And they shall take of the blood and shall strike it on the two side posts and on the upper door post of the houses wherein they shall eat it. And they shall eat the flesh in that night, roast with fire and unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Eat not of it raw nor sodden at all with water, but roast with fire, his head with his legs and with the pertinence thereof. And ye shall let nothing of it remain until the morning. And that which remaineth of it until the morning, ye shall burn with fire. And thus ye shall eat it with your loins girded, and your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Okay? So we see here in verse 7 that they were to take of the blood, and they were to strike it on the two side posts and the upper door posts of the houses. Okay? And um, you see a little bit more description in verse 22. If you move down there to verse 22, it says, And ye shall take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel and the two side posts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out at the door of his house until the morning. Okay, so the blood was to be applied to the door. The blood was to be sprinkled on, um, on the, the top of the door. There's a graphic there here and on the side. Just, just um, maybe not painted on like that one is, but <laughs> um, just struck um, at those points. It kind of is an interesting picture of the cross when you look at it, when it's applied correctly. All right. Um, and then they were supposed to eat the flesh, okay? So it says they're roasted with unleavened bread and bitter herbs, okay? So, um, you know, you read the, the preachers and the commentaries and they say that the roasting with fire, um, the fire um, kind of is a picture of judgment. And obviously, um, uh, the unleavened bread, you know, leaven was supposed to be gotten rid of in the week before the Passover. Leaven being a picture of evil or a picture of sin or an illustration of that. And um, so you had to take all that away and that unleavened bread was to be eaten and broken with um, the Passover lamb. And then also bitter herbs. And, um, you know, uh, there's a lot of uh, different meanings that people give to the bitter herbs. But um, maybe we shouldn't get into that right now. Okay, so in verse 11 then, it says, To do it quickly, we were told here, Thus shall ye eat it with your loins girded, your shoes on your feet, and your staff in your hand, and ye shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. Okay, so um, in the evening time, they were supposed to do that. They were supposed to uh, kill the lamb. They were supposed to strike the doorposts and things like that, stay inside the house, and then have a meal together. But um, the meal was to be eaten in haste. Um, and I suppose you, when you think about it, you know, how long would they have before, um, you know, they didn't know when the dead angel was going to come, the death angel was going to come that night. Um, but how long until the dead angel would pass over um, um, the land? And how long would it be before the Egyptians came running out and, as the Bible says, um, would want to thrust them out of their land? Okay, so they were supposed to do it in haste. All right. Um, so, um, you know, the applications for that then, you know, obviously the, the blood needed to be applied to that house. And um, the same way the blood needs to be applied for salvation to be effective. We are cleansed or forgiven through Christ's blood. 
So we've got a few scriptures here to look up. If you go and keep your um, place in Exodus 12, but turn to Ephesians. First and second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians. Chapter one, verse seven says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, through his blood we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. And again, of course, we know um, um, 1 John 1, 7. I'll go there. It's good to see these verses. 1 John 1, 7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanseth us from all sin. So we're cleansed through Christ's blood. Okay? And a final scripture here in Hebrews 9, 22 says let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water Amen. i think that's the one i needed nine oh that's 10 22 i'm sorry um it says here and almost all things are by the law purged with blood and without shedding of blood is no remission so without the shedding of Christ's blood, there would be no remission of sins, okay? So remember, like last week, we were looking at the baptism of repentance unto the remission of sins. It was a pathway unto the remission of sins, but the baptism wasn't given remission because without the shedding of blood, there is no remission, okay? So we're, we're cleansed through Christ's blood. And um, interestingly, the hyssop could be said to be uh, a picture of faith because it's applied by faith. So the hyssop applied the blood to the doorpost and the bible says for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves it is a gift of god not of works lest any man should boast okay so their blood needed to be applied then eat the flesh so we each need to individually receive christ so if you think of the passover meal um the lamb was killed and the blood was applied to the household but each person remember they were very specific about having um enough people for the lamb Okay, and each person needed to partake um, in the Passover meal. Okay, they needed to individually, um, you know, I guess, have, have a portion of the Passover lamb. But the same way we all need to individually receive Christ. Uh, if you turn to Romans 3, 25, it says, Whom God had set forth to be a propitiation or full payment, through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remission of sins that are past through the forbearance of God, okay? So um, um, I guess this is talking about remission again and um, uh, faith faith in his blood. But John 6.53, I guess if we go here, you know, this is uh, an interesting verse. It says, Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, ye have no life in you. Okay? So, of course, Catholics get all confused with that kind of thing, and they say, have this doctrine called transubstantiation, where you are eating the body of Christ and you are drinking the blood of Christ in the, um, the Eucharist or, or whatever it is they call it. Okay? But, um, you know, if you, if you scroll down here, Jesus is saying um, the words that I speak unto you, um, where does he say that? Anyways, he says um, the words that he speaks. Um, 
he's, he's speaking like spiritually that you need to partake spiritually I'll find that verse for you <laughs> all right um, um, but we each need to individually receive Christ so we each need to partake of him you know you could go over to, again to a better example would be um, you know Acts 16 31 says believe and they said believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and thy house okay but um, you'll find here that the Philippian jailer he had to hear the gospel but also the whole house had to hear the whole gospel had to hear the gospel and they all individually had to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ so you know Paul and Silas were saying Philippian jailer you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and your house if they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ they'll be saved and you find out later when you read it that um, they all received Christ so they were all eligible to be baptized and they got baptized straight away okay so um um, you know, it, it, the, the application here, like for today is, you know, it doesn't matter. Just because you come to this church doesn't mean that you're saved. Just because you read your Bible doesn't mean that you're saved. You have to partake of Christ. You have to have come to Christ by faith and trusted in his finished work on the cross and um, believed in the resurrection, um, you know, uh, and have that applied to your account. OK, so it doesn't matter if your parents are saved, if you come from a Christian home, that kind of thing. Okay, so you everybody needs Christ, all right? And you have to do it quickly. So the Passover lamb had to be eaten in haste. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6-2 that now is the day of salvation, okay? Now is the accepted time. And you just want, you, you need to know for sure that you're saved. You know, you can't have any um, questions or, you know, you need, need to be 100% sure that you're going to go to heaven when you die because the blood has been applied and your name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, okay? And that urgency there is important because, we'll finish with this final bit of um, the Passover, there was coming judgment. So we're back in, if, uh, not Ephesians, Exodus 12, and um, we're reading these final three verses. We had to eat in haste at the end of verse 11 because of verse 12, for I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn of the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are, where ye are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And this day shall be unto you for a memorial, and ye shall keep it a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. Ye shall keep it a feast by an ordinance forever. Okay? So, obviously here they're talking about um, the haste was needed because God was coming in the form of an angel of death. Okay? God was going to pass through and he was going to execute judgment on Egypt. Uh, you know, in Egypt being a picture of the world, judgment was coming to the world. Okay? But God said... So when he saw the blood applied to the house, um, he would pass over that house and that judgment would not enter into that household and would not smite the firstborn there, okay? There would be no plague, there would be no destruction. He would pass over, okay? And this was an amazing thing. So they had to keep it a feast forever. They needed to remember that day when God, when that judgment could have come upon them but because they obeyed the good news that they heard from Moses and Aaron and celebrated the Feast of Passover, God 
saw the blood and he passed over them. Okay? So what does that have to do with salvation? The same thing. Same way God was coming in judgment. Jesus is coming. So Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 1 says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. So Jesus is coming again. Okay, and of course, Hebrews 9.27, and as it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this the judgment. So at one point, we don't know when it is that we're going to die. Therefore, we don't know when it is that judgment is coming. But like we read last week, um, he that hath the Son hath life, but he that hath not the Son hath not life, but the wrath of God abided on him, John 3.36. Okay, so God's wrath and condemnation will pass over you if you have the blood applied to your account because, you know, that, that judgment is coming and it's still coming. And that's why, like John the Baptist did in um, his day, preachers in our day are people who speak of the Bible and speak of God's word. They say they're warning the unsaved to flee from the wrath to come. Okay, because we want God's wrath and condemnation to pass over those people. We want them to be saved. We want them to have the testimony, like it says in Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Okay? And then 2 Peter 3, 14. I'll get you lots of scriptures here. 2 Peter 3, 14 says, Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace, without spot, and blameless. So, you know, we take on Christ's righteousness. You know, I just talked there about all the testing and the inspecting that he went through, and he was without spot, without blemish, perfect Lamb of God, and who was able, he had the strength to give his life, um, and to have the, the sins of the whole world laid upon him, okay? And we, we get in return for our filthy rags of sin, we get Christ's righteousness, and therefore we get to become, be described as, I guess, as it says here, um, without spot and blameless. And that's why they, they say, um, you know, the word justified means, um, you know, one description is to be seen just as if you've never sinned, okay? And just like the Passover lamb was supposed to be a feast kept forever, we should be giving thanks always to our God for such such precious salvation that we've received. Um, I mean, uh, I'll turn back here to 1 Peter 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy had begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Amen. So, blessed be his name. Give God the glory due unto his name. I'm going here to 1 Corinthians 5, verse 8. And we're kind of wrapping it up here then. Because I read 1 Corinthians 5.7 just there before we started. Um, so 5.8 says, Therefore, because of all these things, okay? Um, and, and, you know, I'll read verse 7 first. Purge out therefore the old leaven, that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth all right so just by way of conclusion the passover was a commandment from god um 
they were commanded to keep this Passover feast. They had to choose a lamb, a specific lamb, and they were to keep it until the 14th day, and they were to kill it in the evening, and then there was to be the sacrifice of that lamb was, was used, the blood of the lamb was used for um, marking the door so the angel of death would pass over, and then each individual person in that family or in that household was to partake of the lamb, okay? And they had to do it all in haste because of coming judgment. And the same way, um, today, Jesus is our Passover lamb, okay? So, as we read, or I'll read here, if, um, Acts 4.12 says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. So we've received a commandment that we must be saved. He must be born again, okay? And who are we going to look to for that deliverance? We need to choose a lamb, okay? And we need to choose the right lamb. A lot of people are going to different things for deliverance, okay? And these things won't, they won't add up. Um, but God's lamb will. Behold the lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. And that sin is, um, was nailed to the cross of Jesus Christ. He gave his life a complete sacrifice. He gave his life a ransom for many. All right? And um, to, him, to those who trust in Christ, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God through the sacrifice of his, his life and through his resurrection from the dead. And the reason why we need Christ is because there's coming judgment. Coming judgment. It's appointed to a man once to die and after this to judgment. And um, we're all going to be found wanting at that judgment. If our names are not written in the book of life, we'll have nothing to say. There'll be nothing that we can answer. There'll be no way we can make it right because Jesus made it all right on the cross. And by that stage, it's going to be eternally too late to do anything about it. That judgment came, is, is, is set and that appointed time has, has arrived. And if, we haven't, if we're not ready for that judgment, and to, we're, we're going to be um, judged guilty and sentenced eternally to the lake of fire. All right, so that's our um, a little bit on the Passover lamb. Um, I'm, I'm so sorry you couldn't make it today. We're actually going to celebrate the Lord's Supper this morning um, for the people who are here in the church. And um, I do hope that you can make it out to church. Um, but most of all, I do hope that you know that you are saved and that you are cleansed through the blood of the lamb the Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, okay? Because the Bible says, these things are written unto you that you may know that you have um, eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that's my prayer for you today. And if you are already saved, um, just rejoice and be glad and um, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for the time we got to spend in your word. I do pray, Lord, for anyone, Lord, who listened to the message that if they are unsure in any way, Lord, um, if they don't know that they have Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, Lord. I pray that you would um, just work on their hearts, Lord. I pray that you would um, point them to your word. I pray, Lord, that they would um, come to a, a saving faith and knowledge of, of Jesus and that you would make them, as we read at the start, a new creature and that all things would be new in their life and that they would now have a home in heaven and um, they'd have a promise ahead of them that um, Jesus is going to prepare a place for them. And then if he goes to prepare a place, he'll, um, he'll come back and take
a person unto himself, Lord, when Jesus comes back. So I pray for that, and I pray for the believers as well, Lord, those who know that they are saved, Lord. I pray that you continue to encourage them. I pray that you'd help them, Lord, to be a light and an example in the world. And I pray that they, when you give them boldness, Lord, to open them out and to speak of Jesus wherever they might be. We love you, Lord, and we pray for all these things, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.